Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. And be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album. Well, as it says right on the screen that you are watching as you're listening to this podcast, this week is the second part of our three-part look at the discography of Prince. Last week, I tackled numbers 40 through number 26. And as I was talking about those albums, I have no doubt that there was a good chunk of those albums on that section last week that most of you probably never heard of, and understandably so, especially since I mentioned most of those were released through Prince's New Power Generation Music Fan Club online at the time. So I completely understand that there are a lot of people who are thinking, I've never heard of this album, or I didn't even know this album exists. Well, everything is available on streaming services now, so you'll be able to have a chance to listen to the albums that you weren't aware of at the time of their release. And since this week, I'm kicking off the top 25, and next week is my top 10, you're past all those albums that you weren't familiar with of their existence at the time. So numbers 25 all the way to number one these next two weeks, I am 100% certain you all have heard of. So hopefully you'll continue this journey with me as we go to number one next week and wrap up season two of Random Album Rankings. This has been a fun journey for me doing all these episodes this season and giving you some random bonuses, random bonus episodes just to uh, keep you uh, satisfied until the next episode. I'm going to try and do more random bonus episodes. Maybe not every other week, but if I feel like it, I'll probably do maybe one random bonus episode a month. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that yet. I do know that there will be a season three. Don't you worry about that. But I will be taking at least a few weeks off, say for one episode in November. And then for the month of December is the 2021 year in review episodes and a holiday episode in there too. So be sure you tune in for that. I am excited to continue this uh, three-part look at Prince, and since we are in the top 25, time's a-wasted. But before I can get into the rankings, got to do this, history and facts about Prince. So sit down, relax, and here's a little bit about what you need to know about Prince. Born on June 7, 1958, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Prince Rogers Nelson was an American singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, dancer, actor, and director. 
He is known for his flamboyant and androgynous persona, eclectic work, and a wide vocal range which included a far-reaching falsetto and high-pitched screams. Prince's music incorporated a wide variety of styles including funk, R&B, rock, new wave, soul, synth-pop, pop, jazz, and hip-hop. He often played most or all instruments on his recordings since he started in 1975. Born and raised in Minneapolis, Prince signed a recording contract with Warner Brothers Records at the age of 19 and released the albums For You in 1978 and a self-titled album in 1979. He would go on to achieve critical success with innovative albums such as Dirty Mind, Controversy, and 1999. But it was his sixth album, Purple Rain, in 1984, recorded with his backup band The Revolution, and was the soundtrack to his film and acting debut of the same name. Purple Rain spent six consecutive months at the top of Billboard 200 and even won him an Academy Award for Best Original Song Score. This would be the album that would be considered his magnum opus among his many fans. In the midst of a contractual dispute with Warner Brothers in 1993, he changed his stage name to an unpronounceable symbol, known to fans as the Love Symbol. He would also sometimes refer to himself as the artist formerly known as Prince, or Taft Cap, or just simply, the artist. He signed with Arista Records in 1998 and began referring to himself by his own name again in 2000. After returning to mainstream prominence following a performance at the Grammy Awards in 2004, he scored six U.S. Top 10 albums over the following decade, including one album that went to number one in 2006. In his midlife, Prince reportedly experienced considerable pain from injuries to his body, mainly hips, sustained through his dynamic stage performances, which included leaping off speaker stacks in high heels and was sometimes seen using a cane. In April of 2016, at the age of 57, Prince died of an accidental fentanyl overdose at his Paisley Park home and recording studio in Shanhassen, Minnesota. Prince pioneered the Minneapolis Sound, a funk rock subgenre that emerged in the late 1970s. He had a prolific output, releasing 39 albums during his life, with a vast array of unreleased projects left in a vault at his home after his death. It is believed that the vault contains dozens of fully produced albums and over 50 music videos that have never been released, along with various other media. He released hundreds of songs both under his own name and multiple pseudonyms during his life as well as writing songs that were made famous by other musicians such as Nothing Compares to You, a hit for Sinead O'Connor, and Manic Monday, a hit for the Bangles. Estimates of the complete number of songs written by Prince range anywhere from 500 to well over 1,000. Prince sold over 150 million records worldwide, ranking him among the best-selling music artists of all time. His awards included the Grammy President's Merit Award, the American Music Awards for Achievement and of Merit, the Billboard Icon Award, an Academy Award, and a Golden Globe Award. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004, the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2006, and the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in 2016. And that is just a brief 
history and some facts about Prince. There's so many things that he's accomplished that we could talk about in these next three parts. And so little time. So with that said, let's get to ranking. The rules still apply for Prince just as much as episodes past. Live albums, greatest hits, box sets, EPs, all that fun stuff, not included on this list. And as I said on last week's episode, audio clips are going to be hit or miss as far as talking about the albums and highlights from each. So some are going to sound great, some are going to sound just okay. So I apologize in advance for the quality of the audio but I'm going to do my best to make sure you get the satisfaction from each episode of Random Album Rankings, especially during this three-part tribute to Prince. So now that I got that out of the way, let's continue on with the rankings. And we start off this week's episode at number 25. Now, this was supposed to be just one album, and it turned out that it would be split into two parts. One of those parts I talked about last week, in fact, it was number 37, or at least phase two of that album was number 37. So I'm starting things off with hit and run phase one this week. This is album number 38, and one of the very last albums of Prince's life, released during Prince's lifetime, I should say. It was originally released on the title streaming service on September 7th, 2015, before being released into retail the following week on NPG Records. 38 minutes long. This is one of Prince's shortest albums in recent memory. As uh, Yeah, I, just looking at that, yes, 38 minutes. It is one of Prince's shortest albums in recent memory because usually he ranged from 40 to almost three and a half, four hours, depending on how many CDs were included on the collection. And I have to say, I did like the, I mean, while it's not a favorite of mine, it is leaps and bounds better than Phase 2 was. Screwdriver may have been the better first single from the Hit and Run series, but as a cohesive unit, Hit and Run Phase 1 is the better of the two albums. I don't know, I just kind of have a soft spot for it, and there's quite a bit of tracks on here that I want to talk about but there's also different genres on here not just the usual r&b and soul he focused on a lot of electronic sounds compared to albums past and it really starts off strong you got million dollar show featuring judith hill who is a respected r&b vocalist in her own right shut this down ain't about to stop but it's that second half that's hit or miss unfortunately which makes this which prevents Hit and Run Phase 1 from being a perfect album. I have to say there are a couple of tracks on here I did enjoy. Fall in Love Tonight, which is the first single, is decent, but not a favorite Prince tune. I did, however, like Hard Rock Lover, which was the follow-up single to that. In your jeans That's when she ordered Strawberries Chocolate and whipped cream and this woman scream, 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 
track I'd like to point out was featured on Artificial Age, but was tweaked just a little bit for Hit and Run Phase phase one. This could be us, which wound up being about 20, 30 seconds shorter than the previous, than the original version of Artificial Age. But I think I prefer this could be as, oh, the other difference is it's the letter B for this version that we're talking about, as opposed to the entire song title being spelled out on Artificial Age. I think I enjoy this one more just because it's a little more funky compared to the one on Artificial Age. Yes, I know there's, I mean, we all know that there's occasions where Prince didn't have that funk sound, but on this version of This Could Be Us, he really delivers here. This could be and of course the two closing tracks thousands of x's and o's in june are definitely close that the closest one's going to get to classic prints during the uh, 2000s because after all this was 2015 when this had come out Prince had been pretty damn busy in the last three years of his life, from 2014 to 2016. And another album that I'd like to talk about, uh, well, in just a few minutes, I'll wrap up on Hit and Run Phase 1. Do I think it would have been better if it had been one album? Possibly. I think if you'd taken some good, the good tracks from Phase 2, which I talked about, yes, Screwdriver is definitely one of those great tracks and take the best songs of hit and run phase one just put them all together i think it would have been better if it was just one album but unfortunately it was not the case so it ended with hit and run phase two just kind of floundering it's not as bad as i once uh, as it was when i first listened to it but yeah definitely not one of his best best albums Hit and Run Phase 1, I think, is a bit uh, un, uh, misunderstood, mainly because it was just another example of qu quantity over quality in this case. Hit and Run should have just been one album, and maybe it would have been put a little bit higher, but just a little bit. I It probably still wouldn't have cracked my top 20, but I think Hit and Run would have been much better and better received if it was just one album as opposed to splitting it into two parts. However, one thing that I am disappointed in and slightly better than Hit and Run Phase 1 is that there weren't any more albums featuring Prince's new band, the girl group Third Eye Girl. I have to say I really enjoyed Plectrum Electrum, which I have at number 24. Is if there's anything that proved on this album these ladies can jam banks on holiday credits overrun somebody else's problem too tight for another one pull the shades honey black out the sun i need a little more rest then we'll do what needs to be done uh, that's a body like a dance so much fun Dreaming at each other on 
the two hit and run albums and Artificial Age. Well, Artificial Age was a top five debut, but Plectrum Electrum was a top 10 debut. Number eight, 26,000 copies its first week. Good enough to make the top 10 of the Billboard albums charts. It dropped pretty quickly. But honestly, I really thought this should have been just as well received as a hit and run phase one and even artificial age. But these girls, let me tell you a little bit about Third Eye Girl. They're still going strong, thank goodness. You got the combination of Hannah Welton on drums, Donna Grandis on guitarist on guitar, and Danish bassist Ida Nielsen. They've really delivered. So far, there's only been one album by them. I, I'm not sure if they're going to be putting out any more albums in the future. I wish they would because they've definitely proven that they could be more than just a backing band for Prince because Plectrum Electrum really delivered here. And some really good tracks on here, too. Uh, Fix Your Life Up, Pretzel Body Logic, which I just played earlier. Uh, White Caps was an interesting one. And I got to love the, the slightly humorous lyrics from them definitely show that they don't even take themselves too seriously. They're, they can be just as fun as the next person, as the next uh, girl group. But they can play instruments, which makes this even better and gives Third Eye Girl a bit of an edge. In fact, one standout track is the title track, five minutes long, and it's an instrumental, which proves my theory. These ladies can jam. <laughs> Also, I got to give props to their duet with Lizzo, well, collaboration with Lizzo and Sophia Aris, Boy Trouble. Very interesting track. Uh, listening to it to the album again, I really think this should have been better, well, better received, should have been more loved and more respected. But again, it was a case of quality over, or quantity over quality, putting out a shit ton of albums in a certain calendar year kind of sort of hurt these albums more than help but third eye girl if they listen to this podcast i doubt it i really honest to god hope that this band puts out more material in the very near future i'm not saying they don't need prints anymore but at this point with the talent and the and the musicianship, the vocals, I really think Third Eye Girl could benefit from a new album. I think they would go to the stratosphere with this follow-up. Please, 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 Third Eye Girl, put out new music. Your fans will thank you, and more importantly, Prince's fans will thank you. Trust me on this. There's really a lot of good good tracks on here that I got to, that I have to recommend on here, but that would take a whole episode in my humble opinion. So keep it on rolling with the Prince train at number 23. This is the most recent 
album to come from Prince's estate. In fact, when I say most recent release, I'm talking four months ago. Yeah, no, yeah, three and a half, four months ago. The album is called Welcome to America. It was released at the end of July of this year and was just a mishmash of songs that had been recorded from 2008 up until his passing in 2016. And in all honesty, I really dug this album. When I first heard the title track, I was floored at what Prince was capable of at around this time frame. If he had put an album like this out after, say, Musicology or even 3121, I think Welcome to America would have finally confirmed his comeback of sorts. And I think critics would have been a little nicer to Prince from again from that point forward because the title track's amazing. One of our greatest exports was a thing called jazz. <laughs> think today's music will last. Everything takes forever. And truth is a new minority. Oh, welcome to me. The themes on here hit so hard, especially in the in the environment in the world today with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, exploitation, racism, disinformation, celebrity, faith, capitalism. It's every bit as uh, important to know about now as it is as it was when he was writing these songs back in 2008 uh, the line 21st century it's still about greed and fame on the track running game son of a slave master definitely a solid album very socio-conscious uh, I, I talked about the title track a few minutes ago a few seconds ago hot summer was another good one same page different book one day we will all be free these are all really good out really good songs and this album did really well too number four on the billboard 200s charts this year uh has yet to be certified but who knows i honestly think as far as a posthumous album goes it's really good and this was and I've, he wrote the these songs starting in 2008 but this had been recorded in march of 2010 and there was even a tour for it, which wound up uh, the being uh, the tour that promoted the album 2010, which I'll talk about a little bit later in the show. In fact, in probably about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Welcome to America is, I really think, had this been released while Prince was still alive and had come out instead of 2010, I think, I think it would have been better off. I think it would have really uh got prince back up at the top of the throne on sitting on the throne back on the top it is a damn good album and i'm this may end up showing up on my ran dozen of 2021 and call me biased but and blame it and possibly because i did an episode on this band earlier this year but i really liked what prince did to a soul asylum track uh, on this album 
I mentioned how much The Silver Lining was such a great album, very underrated. And one of the songs that I talked about when I talked about that album when, during the Soul Asylum episode was Stand Up and Be Strong, which is a great song in its own right. But Prince, being the funkster that he is, really took Soul Asylum to a whole nother level when he covered this song. Prince, we miss you. I just want to get that out of the way, and I will probably be saying that quite a bit between this episode and next week's season finale, but you are definitely missed, and I really think Welcome to America would have... I think it would have been better off had it been released in 2010, but in the light of the uh, current... Uh, in light of the status quo and all the movements that are happening, Welcome... I will at least give this album this welcome to america is definitely the album that you need to hear it's the album that needed to come out at this time frame yes i think it would have been better received had it come out during his lifetime but i believe welcome to america definitely symbolizes what this country is dealing with especially in the last couple of years Okay, now if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, you'll notice I left you listeners a little bit of a surprise. Last week, I posed the question, did Prince's work from the 2000s and 2010s deserve more love, or was it just pretty much not all that it was cracked up to be? This week, and the reason I included this question, actually, it's not even just a question it's a poll uh, because three of the albums i'm talking about today are all soundtracks three of the albums that i'll be talking about in this week's episode happen to be soundtracks i should say so in the poll i ask you what prince's best what your favorite prince movie is and believe it or not there are four most people think there's three but there's actually four you got Purple Rain from 1984. You have Under the Cherry Moon from 1986. Uh, Sign of the Times from 1987. Yes, it was actually a concert film, so it technically counts as a Prince movie. And Graffiti Bridge from 1990. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Wouldn't... Batman be a Prince movie? Well, not really. He just wrote the soundtrack to it. In fact, here's where I'm going to piss people off. I find that Batman soundtrack that he did to be an absolute guilty pleasure. It's not a case of so bad it's good. It's just so... What the fuck is this? That you just find yourself listening to it and honest to God... There are some really good tracks on here. Okay, yes. By the way, I'm just going to put it out there. The Batman soundtrack is number 22 on my list. Yes, I have it pretty damn high. So you might want to just accept that fact. 
And when it was announced that Prince was doing the score and the soundtrack, or it's just the soundtrack to the Batman movie from 1989, people were excited for this. Until Bat Dance came out, and I got to give props to the music video. It was very creative, but it was the the song was less about the movie and more about sound clips in the movie and just a funky mess, which also included one of the lyrics, keep busting, which I guess still pops up every now and then on an occasional meme. But Bat Dance was a very interesting tune for some people. A lot of people hate it. I'll be honest, it's one of my top 10 favorite Prince songs. Sue me. I, I think Bat Dance is a fun track. It's not a masterpiece, but I've always found the song fun. But don't worry, I'm not going to play Bat Dance for you. Honestly, and also looking at this, apparently it is considered one of the worst albums of Prince's career, according to All Music and even City Pages, which is the Minneapolis newspaper I talked about last week. But it's not a bad album, not by a long shot. There are some good tracks on here. Uh, the Future is interesting, kind of sort of sets the mood. Uh, Electric Chair, I, could, I think, could have been better, but I could do without that one. Uh, the Arms of Orion, featuring Sheena Easton, and those two made beautiful music together in 1987, but we'll talk about that album and a little bit of Sheen Easton's career thanks to Prince much later on, if not this episode, next week for sure. But The Arms of Orion, Sheena Easton, Prince, magical. enjoyed Vicky waiting lemon crush was interesting scandalous was horribly underrated and I thought could have been a huge hit bat dance obviously uh, let's run down the uh, accolades for this album number one on the billboard 200 finished uh, even peaking at number 61 in 2016 after Prince's passing it has been certified double platinum here in the United States yeah, gold and platinum pretty much everywhere. Gold in Australia with 35,000 copies sold. 250,000 copies sold in Germany, giving it a gold certification. 100,000 copies in Japan, certified gold. 100K in, in Spain, which gives it a platinum status there. So you can call it a bad album all you want. It sold well. Uh, I talked about The Arms of Orion was a top 40 hit. Scandalous was number five on the R&B charts, but I really think it could have been much better had people given that a chance. But I really have a soft spot. The last track I'm going to talk about, it only got as high as number 18 because people were trying to get the bad taste of bat dance out of their mouths. But I got to say, I do have a soft spot for Party Man. Don't, oh, what? You don't like it? Well, let me play a clip and maybe I'll change your mind. I rock the party, I rock the house, I rock the 
get a little more controversial and say I much preferred the Batman soundtrack over the movie itself. I, I know you got a lot of people who are going to defend Michael Keaton as Batman. Yes, he did a great job. That wasn't the problem. It just wasn't my kind of Batman movie. I I did like Batman Forever. <clears throat> and as far as I'm concerned, I'm more of an Adam West guy myself. Sorry, not sorry. But the Batman soundtrack does not deserve all the hatred. It is a guilty pleasure. It's an absolute mess, but it's definitely listenable. If you've never heard it, or if you haven't heard it since 1989, maybe you should give it another listen because it's not all that bad. Get over it. Jeez. And speaking of getting over it, I will get over the fact that Welcome to America was not released in 2010, and the album I have at number 21 came out in its place instead. The 35th album released during Prince's lifetime, 2010, has a very unique, almost anime-ish cover of Prince with the uh, album title and his infamous love symbol somewhere in there. It, it's a very unique album cover, and I have to say this... Mm, yeah... It, uh, it makes you think. I'm no art critic, but when it comes to Prince's album covers, I know what I like, and I have to give props to the album cover for 2010. Now, as far as the music itself on this album, it wasn't very well received by critics, which I understand, but honestly, I enjoyed what I heard off of 2010. It just barely misses my top 20, but there are some really good songs on here. I mean, some some hooks just don't seem to work, and the rhythms are seem a little bit more forced, but I can look past that because for every sticky-like glue that's on this album, there's a future soul song. And there would have only been nine tracks on here because, let's see, Compassion, Beginning Endlessly, which isn't half bad. Act of God, I think, could have been better. Laveau, Walk in Sand, Sea of Everything, Everybody Loves Me, which uh, I liked it better when it was called Baby, I'm a Star from the Purple Rain soundtrack, but that's just me. But if it wasn't for that hidden track, which if you ever owned the CD version of it, once track nine ended, you had many tracks consisting of five to six seconds of silence. So you had to go from track 10 all the way to 76 to get to the bonus track. And the bonus track in question, I think, saves this album from being a dud. And the album I'm talking about is er, the, <laughs> the name of the track I'm talking about is Lay Down. You need to lay it down and let me show you how we do this thing up in funky town. From the heart of Minnesota, here come the purple Yoda, guaranteed to bring the dirty new sound. Come on. 
Unfortunately, 2010 was kind of sort of forgotten as people were still trying to soak in the Lotus Flower Minneapolis sound album that Prince had put out the year before, not to mention touring uh, and working on Welcome to America, which would later become 2010, despite the tour being called Welcome to America. Yes, I'm still just as confused about that as you are. So let's uh, get that out of the way. I, like I said, Welcome to America should have come out in 2010, but it seems to make more sense coming out uh, this year than it did back then. 2010 just seems like it's the stepchild on this list as far as his uh, 2010 releases are concerned. I like it. It just misses my top 20. But what does make my top 20 is the album from 2007, Planet Earth. I loved this album. Just like that, we are in the top 20. I just got us into the top 20 this quickly. You're welcome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, number 20, Planet Earth in 2007, album number 32 released in his lifetime. Got Prince wearing the love symbol necklace, wearing his red shirt, overlooking the planet Earth. And there are some really good tracks on here. I think... Some of Prince's underrated songs, 90% of them are on this Planet Earth album. In fact, as I talked about the next couple of albums during part two, there's going to be a lot of tracks that I feel that need to, ha need to have a second listen because there were some diamonds in the rough during uh, this time frame. I will stand by Prince's albums from the 2000s and even 2010s seem to be a good chunk of them were overlooked some were definitely skippable but planet earth is not skippable you got songs like guitar uh, you had the title track which was interesting i also had a soft spot for chelsea rogers which is a definite highlight off of this album Future Baby Mama was interesting. Lion of Judah. Resolution was a really good closer. Another track on here that I really dug was Somewhere Here on Earth, which honestly, in a perfect world, that would have been a huge hit. But unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be because of the status quo with corporate radio. Really want to touch you to much too shy to speak. It did really well. It debuted at number three on the Billboard 200, number one on the R&B hip hop albums charts on Billboard, and finishing 80th for the year on the latter chart. It has only been certified gold in Switzerland with 15,000 copies sold. I'm not sure if that's a neutral amount that's given. Sorry, Switzerland. I, I had to. But Planet Earth was definitely a good album, and of his 2000s input or output, I should say, Planet Earth is definitely underrated here. But it was the album before it that I think is much better than Planet Earth. And I will talk about that after I pause 
to uh, pay a couple of bills and then go right into number 19. Only got 19 albums left to talk about and only eight left to talk about on this week's episode. Because remember, next week, I count down my top 10 favorite Prince albums of all time. So when I come back, I'll be counting down numbers 19 through 11. And these eight albums I'll be talking about after I pay some bills are going to be the subject of some controversy. Until then, hang tight. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Random Album Rankings. My name is BC, and this is part two of my look at Prince's discography. This week, counting down numbers 25 to number 11. So we are just about finished with this week's episode. There's 19 albums left to go as far as this discography goes, but for this week's episode, I have eight left to talk about. And coming in at number 19 is 3121 from 2006 and the title for this makes absolute sense uh the 31 because it is prince's 31st studio album released in his lifetime and it came out on march 21st 2006 321 so 31 for the 31st album and coming out on the 21st of March, 321, yeah, 3121. There you go. It was released by NPG Records and distributed as a one album deal only by Universal Music. So it's amazing how much pull Prince had after that whole fiasco with Warner Brothers, but he managed to make it work. And honestly, he managed to make this album work. He showed up on what I believe was one of the worst episodes of Saturday Night Live that season, which pains me to say because Steve Martin was the host, and boy, was that a shit show. But thankfully, Prince's performances on that episode that week were far from it. Coming off the heels of his comeback album, Musicology, there was plenty writing on this album, and this is one of his strongest from the 2000s, I believe. And Te Amo, Cora, Te Amo Corazon, solid romantic ballad. Then you got Beautiful, Loved, and Blessed featuring Tamar, which was also played on Saturday Night Live. But I got to say, the two standout tracks on 3121, my favorite on the album was the Functified Fury. The song is called Fury. And boy... The funk, the instrumentation, the vocals, that is the best word to describe it. Fury. When you did your thing, it's like the song everybody wanna sing. When the music's over, you hear the rain. When the voice is said, this queen got no king. top of my head i can't remember if there was a video for it i know it was performed on saturday night live uh, on that particular episode i remember videos for the amo corazon but i also remember the incredibly odd video but damn awesome electronic black sweat and 
it's it is a definite highlight and it's definitely one you want on your playlist you know if you're looking for new songs to add to your playlist knock boots to i'm doing you a favor add black sweat you're welcome i got a job to do thank you yes. I'm a Musicology doing so well in 2004, Prince went right back to work in Paisley Park, recording track after track after track from 2004 to 2005. And obviously the best songs that came out of that recording went to 3121. It is a very good album and definitely one of his best. I put it up there as one of his best in the 2000s. I mean, doing an episode on Prince's 2000s work is going to be its own episode. And in fact, I could do episodes of his 80s work, his 90s work, and his most recent stuff. And those would all be separate episodes in their own right, just as much as songs would be. But I really enjoyed the uh, production and the mixing and the instrumentation of 3121. And another reference in 3121 is that was also the uh, house number for Prince's rental home when he was living in Los Angeles. Just another fun fact. And the address is on Wikipedia, but I'm not going to provide that because who knows, maybe there's somebody living there and why would you want to harass them? Yeah, exactly. Um, And Black Sweat I talked about earlier is one of the first to utilize an auto-tune effect throughout the entire song i mean some songs had the auto-tune for like a certain snippet but black sweat had the auto-tune effect for the entire song and aside from that just a great album too the title track was good lolita that was a classic prince sex song incense and candles the dance not the garth brooks tune don't worry and get on the boat and another thing the icing on the cake for this album this was prince's first number one album since the 1990s this album actually did very well more than people expected to and it would be the only prince album to debut at number one at least during his lifetime did I mention it was his first number one album since the Batman soundtrack? Yeah. Uh-huh. 17 years. 17 years between Batman and 3121. The album it knocked out of the top spot, the soundtrack to the first high school musical movie. So way to go, Prince. Score one for the good guys. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, 3121 is definitely picking up where musicology left off. And if there were two albums from Prince I'd recommend from the last 20 years, musicology and this album, 3121, are definitely up there on my list. I highly suggest you check that out for sure. And with that said, we're just going to keep on rolling. Coming in at number 18 is an album from 1999, the 22nd album of Prince's career, and one 
most people wound up forgetting about, and I don't know why, because there were really some good tracks on there that really beg for you to pay attention to. And the album I am talking about is The Vault, Old Friends for Sale. There's an interesting history as far as this album goes. You see, the tracks were recorded from 1985 through 1996. And this album was submitted along with Chaos and Disorder when he was with Warner Brothers, but it was not released until 1999. Now, if you will recall, Raven to the Joy Fantastic came out about late 99, 2000 on a different record label, Arista. But between that and Chaos and Disorder, The Vault was the last album to be released by Warner, Warner Brothers Records to fulfill the infamous Prince's infamous recording contract fiasco from 1992. And with all the confusion and not to mention multiple albums in the course of one year released by Prince, this album definitely got lost in the shuffle, debuting and peaking at number 85 on the Billboard 200 albums charts. And it's really a shame that it just disappeared. Uh, it, there were definitely mixed reviews upon release. And I'll be honest, it's far from a perfect album. And the tracks are hit and miss. But in all honesty, some of the tracks that are hits are quite, what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh, yes. Magical. That would be the only single released off the album in the United States. Extraordinary is the name of it, in case you didn't figure it out. It was a hybrid of jazz and funk on this album, with tracks recorded in a in an 11-year basis from 85 to 96. The album, and because of this, the album does lack in cohesion, but it's honest to God, not a bad listen. If I could single out the worst tracks on this album, I would have to go with Five Women and My Little Pill. Those would be the only two tracks I would have removed from this album because they don't really stand out. It's just kind of background noise, which honestly is something a Prince album should never, ever sound like. But in this situation, Prince wanted out of his contract and he was basically not given a shit as far as the recording process is concerned. And albums like this and Come and Chaos and Disorder clenched that fact. But Aside from those two tracks, I also liked Rest of My Life, When the Lights Go Down, even the title track, Old Friends for Sale. If I could be honest about this album, it's it's very mediocre. But as far as mediocre albums go, it's one of the best mediocre albums. And 
with a couple of albums that I talked about last week and even this week, this is the highest ranked and best mediocre album on the list. If anybody from the Prince Estate is listening to this, please don't sue me, but I'm going to be openly honest. More shit like this needs to be unearthed from that vault. I mean, not I mean, not just the pro wrestling nerd of me wanting that Nick Bockwinkle album or that Coco Beware documentary released and all that fun stuff. We need more Prince tracks. We need more Prince albums, y'all. So, honestly, please... Whatever is in there, send it all out. I'm sure Prince may have been embarrassed or disappointed at some of it, but people like me would probably enjoy it. So, yeah, keep putting this stuff out. The posthumous releases that have come out in the last couple of years have been excellent. Yes, excellent. I liked everything that's come out after his passing and... So even the bad Prince albums that were released during his lifetime aren't all that bad, but I want more stuff like the music from the vault. So if that's possible, that'd be great. I know we, not just me, but everybody in the United States around the world would love to hear what else Prince had been hiding all these years. And yeah, that's basically all I have to say about the vault. It's definitely quite a listen. It, it really, truly is a listen. And speaking of quite the listen, coming in at number 17 is the second posthumous release that I'm talking about on this week's episode. This came out in 2019, released only through the title streaming service on June 7th, but then wide release at the end of the month uh, of June 2019. The album is called Originals, and it's exactly what you think it is. It is a collection of songs that Prince wrote himself that wound up going to other artists. Example of this include uh, Manic Monday, which he gave to the Bangles. He actually wrote that under the pseudonym Christopher. And if you've never heard his version of Manic Monday, it's essentially how the Bangles did it. And props to Susanna Hoffs and crew, they did the song justice, but Prince's version is quite the listen. It's just another Manic Monday. Ooh, I wish it was Sunday. versions on here. I mean, they were all written by Prince, so we knew they were classics to begin with. Uh, his version of Sex Shooter, which went to Apollonia 6. Jungle Love, which was a big hit for the time. Let's see what else on here. You're My Love, which was a Kenny Rogers hit, uh, on the at least on the pop and adult contemporary charts, because Country Radio was not going to play a Prince track on Country Radio. Yeah, I know. It's not fair, isn't it? I have to say, though, no offense to Sheila E., 
I, I like Bengals version of Manic Monday a lot more than the Prince version. But as far as the glamorous life goes, with all due respect to Sheila E., if Prince had cut it himself, it would have been just as big as when Sheila E. took it to number three back in the 80s. Glamorous life she don't need A man's touch she wants to leave Glamorous life without love It ain't much it is an absolutely fun listen, just hearing all the songs that Prince had recorded himself before passing them on to other artists. Love, Thy Will Be Done, which was a hit for Martika, the Toy, so Toy Soldiers late uh, singer who would pop up on Kids Incorporated for a couple of seasons. And of course, it closes with the original version of Nothing Compares to You featuring Prince and the family, uh, which... Uh, at least was a chart hit on the R&B charts for the family, but we all know Prince gave that to Sinead O'Connor and took that to the top of the charts back in 1990. A very good listen. It only got as high as number 15 on the Billboard 200, but, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good and definitely eye-opening, ear-opening, just to hear Prince's original takes on the songs that he wound up giving other people who turned them into big hits. So if you really want an interesting Prince listen by the time this week's episode is done, I have to give the uh, nod to Originals, which was released in 2019. And uh, there is one more posthumous album that I'll be talking about very soon. That's all I'm going to say. But for now, Keep moving up the charts. Coming in at number 16 is Parade, which is the eighth album in the career of Prince. And this would be the third and final album in which the revolution would be billed. Parade, if you recall, is the soundtrack to Under the Cherry Moon, which was considered a huge flop compared to the gangbusters that Purple Rain did in 1984. Under the Cherry Moon, black and white film with Kristen Scott Thomas, Jerome Benton at the time. Yeah, it was a box office flop. It gave Prince worst actor and worst picture at the Razzie Awards. And I didn't think it was that bad. I'll be honest, my, my wife and I watched Under the Cherry Moon a few years ago, and it was the first time either of us had watched it. Hot take, controversial take, but Under the Cherry Moon is not a bad movie. It's just not Purple Rain. It's a completely different picture, and I highly recommend, if you've never seen Under the Cherry Moon, do it. It is a, actually a fun movie, and i got to give props to one of the opening lines from the movie where Prince says, tip your servers, remember, the more you drink, the better I sound. And uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who thought that about the movie. The more you drink, the better it looks. But honestly, drunk or not, the movie's fun. But the album is incredible. For all intents and purposes, the album is great. And I know most of you want me to play Kiss, but that would be too easy. I'm, I'm not going to do that because... You all know it, you've heard it, you're familiar with it, and uh, 
I will say, if you've never heard Tom Jones's version of it, which was released a couple years after Kiss went to number one, Prince took that to number one, please do. That's an interesting trick in itself. Uh, Tom Jones and the Art of Noise, which was a techno band, a, a big beat band uh, from the 80s that uh, had that top 10 version of it. So the more you know. Uh, Christopher Tracy's Parade, mm, it was interesting. The title, well, I guess technically it's not a title track, but the song on here, there is a song on here called Under the Cherry Moon. New Position, Girls and Boys, but it's really the second side of this album, the second half of this album that really delivers. I talked about Kiss. Uh, Another Lover Hole in Your Head is a good one, but my two favorite songs on here, Open and Close, Side 2. The one song I really... Doug was mountains. And if you really want a trip, check out the 10 and a half minute extended version that was released uh, back when it was a 45, it, or sorry, it was a uh, 78. You really need to check out that 10 minute version if you haven't heard it yet, because that is an interesting version. Only got as high as number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. And I can honestly say without hesitation, the song that closes the movie as well as the album, is one of my top three all-time favorite Prince songs. And it's really a shame this didn't get much love until, unfortunately, after his passing. It was just one of those that seemed to be forgotten because the movie didn't do so hot. But sometimes it snows in April. Not just people in, who live in Minnesota can understand that fact, but... My God, even if you don't live in Minnesota, just that title alone and the lyrical content, you really feel the pain on that song. Just after I wiped away this last year I guess he's better off than he was before A fantastic album. Again, this would be the final album to have the revolution build on a Prince album. Did really well. Number three on the Billboard 200, number one on the Dutch albums charts, and sold really well with certified platinum, which compared to Purple Rain and uh, around the World in a Day, which I'll talk about a little later on the show, was kind of a step down, but Platinum nowadays is damned impressive. Parade, it's one of those occasions where the album was better than the movie, but I will at least admit that Parade, or Under the Cherry Moon, is a damn solid movie. And I will reiterate that poll I posted on Spotify, if you're listening to it on Spotify, I'm curious to know what your favorite Prince movie is. 
because there there were four that he put out. You have Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon, Sign of the Times, Graffiti Bridge, only four movies that had come out uh, from Prince. I'm curious as to what your favorite Prince movie is. So go ahead and vote on the spot on the poll that I post on Spotify. You can I, I'll even have the uh, question on Instagram. I have that up right now as we speak. So go ahead and comment your favorite Prince movie. Let me know what you think. I'm kind of curious. What are your thoughts on Under the Cherry Moon? You can even comment down below. You can skip that uh, question on the Instagram page. If you're a fan of Under the Cherry Moon, I'm curious to know if there are more fans for that uh, for that movie or not. Be, it'd be kind of interesting. So, And this will not be the last soundtrack I talk about on this week's episode. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So let's just jump right into number 15. Man, oh man. You know what? This is where things are going to get very intense and controversial. Because these next few albums are going to be talking about, even when I bust out the top 10 next week, got a lot of ground to cover and there's going to be some people that are going to be upset with my uh, album selections. I'm sure there are people that are upset of where I put their favorite Prince album on this list so far, but I'm going to tell you, it's not going to get easy. And if your favorite is not number one, it's probably not going to get any better. Just so we're out of this, we get that out of our systems. I'll tell you, this was a very, unlike most Album rankings for bands and artists. This was a huge undertaking. I tried to see about getting one of my friends and fellow podcasters, D, who hosts Simply the Best, which is also a podcast on Anchor. And he is still uh, keeping it real and kicking some ass on his podcast. He'll, he'll be posting a new one uh, real soon, so I hope you tune in for that. But I tried to get him to help me on this episode, and even he said that'd be too daunting of a task, and I don't blame him. This is daunting just for me, imagining having multiple people trying to help you out with that. I mean, the man has put out 40 albums. It is definitely a huge undertaking, so I don't blame D, I don't blame you. I, I understand, but I do hope you're listening, and I hope... I did Prince's discography justice. That's all that that's all I ask. So with that said, I'm in the top 15 and coming in at number 15 is Prince's self-titled release from 1979. Album number 2 in his career. And unlike the debut album For You, this was so much better and even debuted and debuted higher and sold better. Number 22 on the Billboard 200 albums charts in 1979. Just this album as a whole were steps, huge steps in the right direction here compared to for you. Even stuff, stuff shirt Robert Kreisgau was quote as saying in the village voice, quote, this kid is going to be a star. And you know what? He deserves it. 
Yes. Yes, he does. just screams classic after classic after classic in a perfect world all nine tracks would have been released as singles but they are played at nightclubs and parties and you name it you got it they have it they've played it everywhere so prince's self-titled release is a classic in its own right. And it is a damned impressive listen and one of the best albums of the late 70s. I mean, a little bit of funk, a little bit of disco tinge, even though disco had died out by this point, but the self-titled is leaps and bounds better than For You ever will. For You had maybe one or two good songs. Every song on the self-titled on the Prince album is incredible. I mean, Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, Sexy Dancer, I Feel For You, which was a hit by Chaka, Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan. Okay, I'm done. Uh, it's just an incredible listen. And he recorded this very quickly. I mean, after For You tanked, he really wanted to uh, make things right. So this was a quick recording, but you can tell he was more focused this time in the recording of this album. And thankfully, thankfully, Prince had only gotten better from here. And because when I talked about For You last week, Prince was so burnt out from the recording and the production and the release of For You that he almost quit the business. And I just want to say, Prince, thank you for not quitting because. This album kicks ass. Moving right along at number 14 is talk about ranking 40 Prince albums is a huge undertaking. This album I have at number 14 is a huge undertaking. In fact, three CDs worth of a huge undertaking. The album, of course, is Emancipation from 1996. This, is, this would be the 19th album of Prince's career, and it did really well for a triple album. Number 11 on the Billboard 200 albums charts, and this would be the first album that would be released not on a major label because the title symbolized his freedom from Warner Brothers Records. 500,000 copies sold so far. Although technically, because it's three CDs, it has since been, technically, it is considered double platinum. Two million copies. And for a triple album, that's damned impressive. Multiple album sets are always a risk, whether you're the Beatles or the Clash or Prince, it's a risk. And this was a risk for once that paid off. I wasn't impressed with the four CD set of Crystal Ball and the Truth, but Emancipation, 
three CDs, 60 minutes each. So that was basically, a, it's essentially a three-hour listen, but it's a damn good album. And I should also point out that this would be the third album that Prince would release in 1996. Before this, he would release the soundtrack to the Spike Lee movie Girl 6 and Chaos and Disorder. So this would be the last release for 1996. So many good tracks on here. Uh, Somebody, Somebody, for starters, Holy River, My Computer. But the odd thing about this album is, no joke, the best songs on the album are the ones that he didn't even write. And this would be the big hit off the album, Betcha by Golly Wow, which was a top 10 hit in the 70s from the R&B group, The Stylistics. And fun fact, this song was even played on the kids' radio stations. When I say kids' radio stations, I'm not just talking about Radio Disney. I'm talking about uh, Radio Oz had played this immensely. And they were actually, I believe that Radio Oz was stationed out in Minneapolis too. So I guess it kind of sort of made sense. And hot controversial take, Radio Oz is the far superior kids radio station over Radio Disney. I miss Radio Oz, rest in peace. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I, I, I miss that station. I really do. Uh, but as I said, the covers are the best parts of the album. How often can you say that about a Prince album when the one when the songs he didn't even write are the best songs on the album? Don't believe me? Uh, he did. I can't make. He covered. I can't make you love me, which was a huge hit for Bonnie Raitt. One of Us, which was written by Eric Bazalian of the Hooters and made famous by Joan Osborne. Uh, the stylistics La La means I love you. Yeah, the covers are damn solid. How that happened, I don't know, but the covers are definitely <laughs> the highlights of the album. And the themes on here range from computers. I talked about this on my computer. Uh, he mail, and of course, there are some songs. I mean, you couldn't talk, you couldn't. Uh, release an album after being free from your recording contract with your old label without writing a song about it, right? Yes, so there are a couple of songs about Warner Brothers Records and his last few years there. Uh, my favorite track on here regarding that theme is a funky little fuck you to his old label, Face Down. <laughs> It's a funky little jam session here in this part I'm playing right now. But the lyrics, yeah, he delivers. It is 
very good album. And this turned out to be better than the album had any right to, especially with all the controversy and all the things that had happened between breaking free from his record label, what he was going through during the last few years of his contract. So Emancipation, this is an example of how quality and quantity balanced beautifully. And sadly, this would be one of the last few times this would happen. Because Emancipation, I, th I think, was pretty much the end of his critical peak for a, for a few years. Because anything, re everything released between 97 up until Musicology had come out had just been a bit... Uh, be somewhere between okay to mediocre to just completely off the rails. So he would definitely bounce back after a few years of whatever it was he was trying to do. And as far as off the rails go, there's nothing more off the rails than the album I have at number 13. Well, not really the album, but the results from it. At number 13... I have the soundtrack to Graffiti Bridge from 1990, the 12th studio album of Prince's career. And it was the soundtrack to the movie of the same name. The album was released on August 20th of 1990. The movie had come out on November 2nd that year. It was promoted as the sequel to Purple Rain. That was your first fucking mistake the second mistake was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in that movie because nothing about it made any sense ah it was one of the most frustrating watches i had ever witnessed in my years being obsessed with movies television and music graffiti bridge is definitely one of my top five least favorite most hated Worst movies I have ever seen. It is a very terrible movie from start to finish. I had no clue what was going on. I mean, Purple Rain and Under the Cherry Moon had its weird moments, but I at least had some sort of clue what was going on with those two movies. Graffiti Bridge made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And I know you didn't uh, tune in to hear me rant about Graffiti Bridge, the movie. The soundtrack, on the other hand, is stellar. There really are some good songs on this album, and rightfully so. It's, it's just a case of great soundtrack, bad movie. It starts off with a Prince track, Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. Then you got New Power Generation split into two parts. You have part two closing the album, and part one coming up right after Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. It's not just Prince doing the songs on the album. He's got a lot of guest spots on here. You got the time with Release It. George Clinton and Prince do a duet called Weak and Funk. Uh, another time track with Elisa Fiorillo, Love Machine. Mavis Staples, who is a gospel legend, Melody Cool. And 
a young prodigy who had one of the biggest hits off the album and the biggest hit of his career round and round tevin campbell it is still i mean he's basically a one-hit wonder at this point but round and round is still one of the best songs of the early 90s and it really showed what that kid was capable of unfortunately after two albums he kind of sort of faded into obscurity which is really a shame i really thought tevin campbell could have gone places but we'll never know uh, the time tracks, I have to admit, are not as good as their earlier work with Ice Cream Castle and the, the Ice Cream Castle album, What Time Is It? But Tevin Campbell definitely uh, dominated on here with Round and Round. It's, it's the only song from him on this album. Uh, Weak and Funk, I expected a little better, especially with the mixture of Prince and George Clinton, but that wasn't meant to be. Uh, the other highlight here, and the only other hit off the album, is a Prince track, uh, Thieves in the Temple, which wound up being a top 10 hit. Uh, it actually peaked at number six compared to Tevin Campbell's Round and Round, going all the way to number three. But with a movie this bad, it should be considered lucky that Prince even had a hit off that soundtrack at all. So my recommended my recommendation as far as graffiti bridge goes listen to the soundtrack it's really a damn good album but avoid the movie at all costs if it ever shows up at a midnight showing and it's like three five bucks and you feel like getting buzzed before the movie go ahead but i don't even think doing that or is going to do you any favors Graffiti Bridge, that movie just sucks. There's no way about it. Graffiti Bridge, the movie, sucks. But check out the soundtrack. As I inch closer and closer to the number one spot, ranking these albums from Prince never get easy honestly so this really pains me to put these next albums at the number 12 and number 11 spots respectively so my pick for number 12 is the seventh album released in his career 1985's around the world in a day as of this recording the album has been certified double platinum and was also the second number one album of prince's career this album was released to mixed reviews and polarizing reviews. I mixed to polarizing. It's, I mean, it's hailed as a classic now, but back in 1985, it kind of caused some people to scratch their heads. But in all fairness, Around the World in a Day had an absolutely daunting and difficult task ahead of it what kind of a task you ask well this had the unfortunate task of being the album that followed up 
Purple Rain, which made him a household name and gave him Grammys and Oscars galore. So compared to that, Around the World in a Day was completely different territory as far as the sounds went. Here on Around the World, Prince experimented with psychedelic styles, making this a departure from past albums. And what was also strange about this album was that it was, per Prince's request, it was released with minimal publicity. And no singles would be released until a month after the album came out. Prince requested this, not the record label, that he would gradually treat like shit, understandably so, in 1992 through 96, but the request to release this with very little publicity and no singles until a month afterwards, that was all Prince. Nonetheless, despite all that and fast-forwarding 20, 30 years later, Around the World in a Day is a phenomenal record. It's not just because of Raspberry Beret. The lyrics are more personal, the sounds are more vibrant, and the ideas are more compared to past works. For once, the lyrics sound a lot more thought-provoking than they once were. The song I just played for you is Paisley Park, which didn't really do so well as far as the United States music charts are concerned. But it is a damn good song. It's an example of Prince's personal lyrics. Uh, the title track is really good. America, which is about nuclear war, and that topic Prince would cover on a couple albums beforehand, including one I'm going to be talking about in just a bit. Uh, the latter, I think, is one of Prince's most underrated tracks as far as an artist is concerned. There were a lot of comparisons of this album to Sgt. Pepper, the Beatles hit album, especially with the psychedelica undertones. And I have to say, the, the comparisons to Sgt. Pepper are very spot on, not gonna lie. Uh, I will also give Around the World in a Day props because I this also has one of my all-time favorite Prince tracks. So expect a favorite Prince songs episode, not this year, but next year for sure. Uh, I'm definitely gonna be working on that. But um, one of my favorite songs from him and my favorite song on the album that I'm happy to share with you is Pop Life, which is a top 10 hit from the album. Thank you. 
And props are definitely in order for the album cover art that was done by Doug Henders. Uh, you can spot Prince. He's the one dressed in black holding, I think, a horseshoe. And you got a doctor with the mask. I'm get, assuming this is to represent Dr. Everything Will Be All Right from the Let's Go Crazy song. I uh, got a lady playing a violin. You got a kid flying with a balloon, which has the album title and Prince's name on the balloon. So it's a very magical record, and I'm not the only one who thinks this album is fantastic. George Clinton was on record saying that he, quote, worshipped this album upon release. It definitely deserves your attention, and also one of the best albums from Prince during the 80s rush, and probably one of the best albums of the 80s in general. But comparing Around the World in a Day to Purple Rain is absolutely 100% unfair. It really is. It's not fair. Purple Rain is its own album. Around the World in a Day is its own album. And let's be honest, anything he's ever put out was its own album. Even the ones that I ranked at the bottom of the list last week, they were their own separate entity. So I get following up Purple Rain was a difficult task, but to compare around the world in a day to Purple Rain is unfair. This really is its own album, and it stands up on its own as a very misunderstood shot of brilliance. I highly recommend giving around the world in a day a listen if you've never heard it before. It's better than you probably thought the first time you heard it, and... It's actually better than you might think. So if you've never heard it, please do so after you listen to this episode. I'm curious what your thoughts are as far as that album goes, too. In fact, in, if you don't want to leave comments on the Instagram page, you can leave messages on my Anchor website, anchor.fm slash random dash album. Leave a message. Tell me what your thoughts are as far as Graffiti Bridge goes or your favorite Prince movie or... Even around the world in a day, I'm curious what your thoughts are and if you think it deserves more attention compared to, say, Purple Rain or any of the other albums that he had released that are considered classics. And speaking of Prince albums that are considered classics, I am wrapping up this week's episode with my pick for number 11, Controversy, which, oddly enough, the ranking for this album is not without controversy. <laughs> Released in 1981, fourth album, fourth album of his career, Controversy peaked at number 21 on the Billboard 200. And by the time the 80s rolled around, Prince was on his A game after wowing and even shocking critics with Dirty Mind the year before. He took the title track and took it a step Further with songs about politics, religion, and sex. And let's be honest, only Prince could take those three topics and make them sound so perfect together. Totaling a little over 37 minutes. This is almost a crime not putting 
this album in my top 10. But because this and Dirty Mind were just a taste of what Prince was set to do for a whole decade. Say whatever you want, I mean, I know Michael Jackson had the biggest album of the decade with Thriller, but Prince was definitely up there. And dare I say, tough competition for Michael Jackson as far as who dominated the 80s. Dirty Mind, Controversy, everything that Prince had released in the 80s was pretty damn incredible in their own right. Uh, a lot of good tracks on here. Sexuality, Do Me Baby, Ronnie Talk to Russia, which was a little two-minute jab towards then-president Ronald Reagan. Uh, let's talk about the musicians on this album. All of them were on their A-game here, too. Morris Day played drums on the title track, which I played earlier. Lisa Coleman, who would be an important member of the group The Revolution uh, in a couple of future, future albums heading into the mid-'80s. Bobby Z, real last name Rifkin, who, if you recall, I talked about his brother David Rifkin, one of Prince's engineers on For You before Warner Brothers suggested a different producer, and we all know how that turned out. This album proved two things. Funk can be smart. And second, figuratively and literally, Prince is a fucking genius. Prince is a fucking genius. Did I? No? Well, I just, now I just did. Now you know. Uh, one other track on here that really stood out, and this is probably his most solid song about religion, is Annie Christian. Just a really awesome tune. I wish I could play that, but there's just so many songs I'd like to share from this album and so many other songs from other albums I wanted to share that I'm just not going to get around to. But Controversy definitely had its share of it as far as the topics are concerned. And this, this list was definitely tough to do at the end of the day. Do I think Controversy belongs in my top 10 list? Yes. Does Around the World in a Day belong in the top 10? Absolutely. But again, with 40 albums that were released, 37 of which were during his lifetime, it's just not possible. And I don't believe in ties as far as this is concerned. I mean, if I did, we'd have a three-way tie at number 10 with controversy around the world today and my pick for number 10, which I'm going to wait till next week. But before I go, uh, I will say this about... The controversy album any artist who closes their album with the uh, sex tinged jack you off you have my respect <laughs>
And that concludes part two of my look at Prince's discography. I've just tackled numbers 25 to number 11. Be sure you tune in next week when I count down my top 10 favorite Prince albums of all time. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album, R-A-N-D-U-M-B dot A-L-B-U-M-B, so that you can keep updated for future episodes as well as music news and reviews that I feel you might want to pay attention to. If you listen to this podcast on Google or iTunes, be sure to leave a review. And if you listen to this on anchor.fm, go to the website at anchor.fm slash random dash album. Leave a message. I'll play it on a future episode. And if you feel like it, click on the support button to learn more about how you can support this podcast because listener support is greatly appreciated. This podcast runs courtesy of you, the listener. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. So if you're interested, click on the support button to learn more. And if you don't feel like donating, do yourself a favor, at least tell a friend about this podcast or two or 10. Be sure you join me next week when I count down Prince's albums from number 10 all the way to number one. Until next week, I'm BC saying the world is your oyster. Get out there and go shuck it. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.